0: Welcome to Monday Morning Coffee with Inside the Firm. Each week, our hosts will be interviewing local, regional, and national business leaders to give you an inside peek into how they lead their business to success in the ever competitive business climate. Welcome to Monday Morning Coffee with Inside the Firm. Today, I have a special NDSU Go Bison guest, Rhett Fiscus. Fellow alumni, he teaches as an adjunct professor at, of architecture at North Dakota State University. Serves the community as a board member for a nonprofit housing developer and is a board member at Burning Hearts Church. He is also the founder and principal of Ret Architecture. He is passionate about architecture and eagerly participates in design competitions. Regularly completes completes Minnesota Design Team community visits and provides bo- pro bono architectural services to University of Nations, Calabar, Nigeria. Children's Relief Orphanage in Dondo, Mozambique, and Fargo-Moorhead Churches United for the Homeless. His favorite project to date is the St. Thomas Aquinas, I might have pronounced, mispronounced it, I apologize, Rhett, uh, Newman Center Choir Loft, which won an AIA Design Award in North Dakota. Prior to receiving a Bachelor of Architecture degree from North Dakota State University, Rhett studied Modem Nordic Architecture at the University of Oulu, Inland. I might have pronounced that too. Rhett, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you. Any any corrections that I that you should make there for my uh, terrible uh, interpretation of how they should be pronounced? No, no,
1: sounds good. I realized I need to update it because my favorite project keeps changing. Oh, does it? <laughs> That's good. So uh, it's always the next one.
0: <laughs> of course, yeah, yeah, which is great to be looking forward to, right? As 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 architects, I mean, then you're like, when do you ever get complacent? Um, before we get into what you do, I mean, you do a lot of things. I really love all the volunteer stuff that you do. And I, I want to kind of dive into that a little bit because I do a ton of volunteer things too and 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 un- understand why you do it. But tell us how you got here. You know, are you, a, are you from a family of entrepreneurs? Are you the first? Where does that spirit come from?
1: Um, uh, a little bit. So a little bit and a little bit not. So my dad's a sixth grade teacher. And my, I have a stay-at-home mom. So those are two very um, non-risk taking occupations. Um, however, my dad uh, did have a side business of where he would, uh, he car- he's a sign carver. And so his summers were spent going to uh, community fairs and just working in the basement, carving custom signs. So if you wanted a Lance Nell's lake cabin, welcome sign that's what he would create so definitely had a you know a little bit of self initiative and for him to do that um and i i also i probably don't necessarily see myself as an entrepreneur as much as just a small business owner and manager i see entrepreneurs starting multiple businesses where i just have a business Um, so i I do differentiate myself a little bit in that when i look in the mirror Um, There's a, I see a difference between, you know, the entrepreneurial spirit, which I think is one of independence and self-reliance that is shared by a lot of artists. I don't see a lot of artists necessarily thriving and establishing and creating business systems and then hitting repeat for another business system. So there's kind of a difference between the entrepreneurial spirit and someone who actually gets out there and starts something from scratch.
0: Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. I, I don't think I've ever heard anybody phrase it like that. Um, It's kind of a it's a little flattering. I mean, because then I guess, you know, you there is a differentiation between folks that go do the multiple businesses. I mean, I call myself a serial entrepreneur for whatever that's worth. Um and then maybe does does when you when you frame it like that does it help you sort of refocus? Is that sort of why you know you have that mindset of like, well, I'm a small business manager, so I'm going to do what I'm going to do everything no, because
1: I think I would prefer being an entrepreneur. Oh. But I, I think you need some some humility and also just recognizing that there there is a difference between um what my role is now and what your role would be if you were an entrepreneur. Uh, I think the reason I say that is because when I've met, cl- you know, I've had clients who come in and they are—I know their resume. I know they're very accomplished, and they're usually pretty humble, and they ask a lot of questions. I've also had clients who come in and they're like, "Oh, what do you do? Oh, I'm self-employed. Yeah, mm. You know, oh, I've got you know." So, so I, it, and then I find out that means they're
0: they're jobless. <laughs> What kind, and, of, what kind of questions do you get on the side where they, you get the confidence, where they just have the natural confidence and therefore there's sort of this humility that comes with it too?
1: It's the questions they ask. Um, they're, they're there to learn and they're asking questions to learn first, as opposed to having too much insecurity. I've had other clients who have too much insecurity to ask questions because they don't want to be perceived as not knowing what they're doing. And the ones who asked, like I've had someone who I, they didn't hire me. And I was kind of shocked that they didn't. I thought I'd be the best architect they could possibly work, work with. And, um, but in this interview, she was just, I think just calling, probably already had someone lined up but was just trying to get more information on the process, uh, almost using me to check the references of the architect that they were mm. gonna be working with um, and I was, you know, she was just upfront saying, this is my first project. I just need to need to get educated. Tell me about the process. Tell me about your fees. What do you expect? Is there anything I'm not seeing? And then I didn't get hired and I was kind of shocked. And then I, I really think she was probably calling around multiple people, just trying to get herself educated. I had another client who called and, you know, oh yeah, I'm self-employed. And oh, what's your wife do? Oh, she's self-employed too. And then I found out, oh, I know your wife. And she basically worked for a temp agency doing uh, secretarial work when secretaries call in sick. I wouldn't really call that self-employed. Yeah. Um, and, and, and kind of posturing themselves as being a little more sophisticated than they were. And, yeah. Th- that project, um, you know, I did everything, I did everything just fine. And then I see in the news, you know, years later that, uh, that didn't quite make it
0: interesting, interesting insight. Yeah. I mean, uh, the projection and everything, how have you carried that into like, um, so since you kind of feel like learned some lessons or at least, uh, got a little bit more knowledge and experience of, of sort of how reading people and when they come in like that, um, how, is that, how has that evolved, how you sort of operate in those kind of first meetings with prospective clients?
1: I don't think it has changed those very much. Um, you know, the, the the first, it's kind of like dating. And uh, um, I usually want to come in with a slow pitch. And instead of just on the first date being like, oh, are you a morning person? I'm an evening person. Oh, how many kids do you want? Just be like, hey, let's just see if we like each other. hmm and have it progress naturally, and um, promise less, perform more, um, not overpromise, uh, is usually how I approach those, and and try to feel them out and see if we're we're the best fit, and give them honest feedback, and just say, hey, I think your expectations are of me are different, and here's what I would like to correct, and I, if that if it still works that we work together, then that's great, but I want you to to know what you're getting yourself into uh, ahead of time. So I don't know that it's changed those meetings so much because I've just done that always, but it has changed just me getting involved in more ex, you know, investment opportunities and recognizing that, oh, I'm making kind of some of the same mistakes that I've seen some clients do. And for me, it's like a red flag being like, oh, I'm getting a little too artist here uh, love will not find a way if this project doesn't cash flow.
0: Sure. Sure. Yeah. uh,
1: Recognizing that, you know, I've got some tendencies here, um, that I need to, to recognize and and have a counterweight on.
0: Yeah. Beautiful. Uh, tell us about when you started your firm, I, I, I'm sure just like a lot of other folks, you left another firm, I, I, whether you want to share those details of why you left or not, some people leave and then they, they see all the bad things that happen at the other firm and they want to do the opposite. So I, I, would, I would, I would, love to hear everybody's origins. Yeah, stories. not yeah. I, I can
1: tell you the 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 quick story um, was you know I graduated, uh, you know, with kind of a vision on what I thought I wanted my life to be like. I wanted to run my own firm. I had that entrepreneurial spirit, and then I started my first job and realized I didn't know a thing about architecture. And um, the
0: business or architecture itself.
1: All of the above. All of I didn't it. know okay. anything about business. I did not know anything about architecture. My very first job, my first task was to send a fax, and I was too insecure just you... to ask someone how to how do I use a fax machine. And you know that afternoon, my boss was like, "Rhett, what happened to that fax? So they said it was just a blank sheet of paper." You know, I put it in upside <laughs> down. <laughs> I didn't even know. What <laughs> I mean, you know, just very humbled, very humbled and reached a point where I just realized that, wow, I, I've got to just buckle down and and be an employee. And I I quit any um, dreaming of running my own firm. I just thought, no, someday it might happen. And I'll, you know, I was, I'd listen to podcasts, I'd read books, I'd educate myself. I wouldn't say I lost that dream, but I did not pursue it.
0: And how long were you, how long were you at that firm before you well, I was at got December the confidence reforms. back? Oh, okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So uh, confidence took a while. So I was laid off three times in four years and then had a job at a large engineering architecture firm and just realized I'm like, okay, I've got, I'm all in on this because low confidence um, and I just buckled down. I I had made, you know, I was kind of my own worst enemy, and I knew that okay, I've got to be all in. I'm gonna uh, just salute and say yes, sir. And and over time, then um, went through a phase of you know, when I started architecture, I didn't know that I didn't know, (laughs) and then shortly after, I like knew that I didn't know, and then the process of of me not knowing that I knew kind of was very gradual. And I remember there was a time working for this very large engineering architecture firm, and one of the more senior project architects asked me a question. And in my mind, first I'm like, why is he asking me? And then I knew the answer. And I was like, wow, I just knew the answer. And I'm like that felt pretty good. And then I'm like, why did you ask me? He's like, well, right, you're the you know, you're the wood framing expert. And I was like, what? And Um, I had a few projects then that I was responsible for that you know didn't fall apart you know it's I, I was responsible for them and they were built and they didn't collapse and I was like oh wow and for the very first time I was like I knew that I knew at least something in this small niche and then just all of a sudden it was kind of like the the parting of the waters several other circumstances opened up and it was just so obvious for me to, if I'm going to start my own firm now is the time.
0: Yeah. I assume you were licensed at that sort of inflection point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you think that that was, was that part of the confidence is no, no no
1: licensure didn't have anything to do with it. Um, I could have been licensed earlier and I wouldn't have had confidence. I could have been licensed later and just would have known what I'm doing without the license. Um, I didn't, to be honest, I don't know how I passed the exams. I can't really remember. If I had to take them today, I'd probably fail them. Uh, the only one that I really feel competent in is lateral forces, cause I had failed it. And then I really needed to study for the second round. And I have not done any calculations for earthquakes since. So. Of
0: course, it, I, I, don't, I hear there's not a lot of them in North Dakota.
1: <laughs> yeah so um so licensure wasn't for me a milestone that was more of just a necessary evil of just the painful discipline of <clears throat> studying and taking a test and um i will say i failed three exams the first two and then my last one so the first two i thought oh i just need a confidence boost i'm going to schedule the easiest test first and i failed it. i don't know how to this day and then I took the second one. Okay, I need an easy one. I need a confidence boost. I failed that one. I'm like, wow. what? You know, and then all the ones that I probably should have failed, I passed. Uh, so I remember I took, stru- in that era, there was two structural courses. I started studying for structures the night before the test, got home you know, from work, ate a meal, probably started studying around 6.30. And it was about 11 o'clock at night. And I was like, I didn't have a clue. I did so. I mean, I went through the study materials. I didn't have a clue. I'm like, okay, whatever. This will be just a $150 practice exam. Yeah. So I changed how I studied and I just learned concepts. And I passed that exam. Uh, just, you, uh, which was kind of a kind of a joke. But I'm kind of proud of that. I'm like, hey, wow, I hacked, <laughs> hacked structures. So then, when I had to take lateral forces, I I did the same strategy. Well, then I actually failed that test, and that was the last one. So then, um, I made it through and uh, got it behind me.
0: Yeah. If uh, if it's okay. Yeah. Tell me about the layoffs. I I was laid off yeah. too, but it was strictly mm-hmm. not a. It wasn't a performance thing. It was a. This is the Great Recession. There's yeah. no work. Fifty percent of architects are laid off.
1: What every you... every, lay, every layoff was blamed on the recession but it was it was me i I'll, i i'm i'm my heart, i'm my own worst critic um so i graduated from college with a big ego and insecure
0: and and tell tell everybody who's listening why why the big ego i mean you graduate you you won right
1: yeah yeah so i i you know i was the the teacher's pet won all the design awards uh got all the scholarships and you know the undergrad senior thesis won the you know, won several awards with my senior thesis and and finished with, you know, I think a, an accurate understanding of my potential, but kind of maybe a prima donna attitude of where I just snap my fingers and everything falls into place and needing to combine that with hard work, needing to combine that with some humility, needing to combine that with also just technical knowledge, um, none of which I had. And so um, the first firm I worked at was just you know, I hadn't sat still for more than like 90 minutes in my entire life and had never had an internship, never really, all my jobs in college, I was self-employed. So I did have some entrepreneurial aptitudes. I paid my way through college building birdhouses and selling them on at street fairs. Um, And so all of a sudden you're sitting in a cubicle for eight hours a day. I just had, that was just a, a rude awakening mm-hmm. Um, and just wasn't used to Sitting still for for more than a movie, um, and and so that was difficult. Also, the 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 it probably wasn't the right fit for me. And my second, I got laid off after a year. They laid off. They had several layoffs, but um, I was clearly not someone that I think would have been a good fit for to to stay there. Um, and had a hard, you know, just had a hard time focusing. Basically, attention deficit disorder, uh, which I don't think it was that, but just imagine that kind of personality. I just couldn't focus. Um, My very first task was putting in spreadsheets uh, the square footages of every room in Loris College, Iowa. I had, you know, just my expectation was I wasn't going to be working on in Excel uh, Mm -hmm. for the first day. So my attitude wasn't so good. Um, Laid off after a year, the next Place that I worked I interviewed and and this uh, firm owner knew that firm and he's like look if you didn't fit, fit in there I'm the opposite of them <laughs> so I just thought okay I'm gonna I'm gonna go to the opposite place uh, a great place to land a wonderful firm loved everyone I worked with uh, I was treated better than I deserved but I was in a low spot and just really couldn't pull myself out of it in hindsight it was depression mm-hmm. um, at the time I, didn't recognize that, but knew something was wrong. Um, and then the economy dipped, and I was laid off. I fortunately I did kind of rally myself towards the end there, and I was actually some was able to have a few victories under my belt, just in in accomplishing something and not feeling like a total loser. Uh, the next job was my dream job. I got hired by a startup firm and my job description was uh, doing international design competitions wow. for an entire year. And just all creative, all the time, you know, carte blanche design and really had some fun. But uh, We never won anything that resulted in money, did get some like honorable mentions or some recognition, which kind of padded the ego, but wasn't really practical. Mm -hmm. And this was a firm where that was a lot of ups and a lot of downs, Um, fast and feast and famine. And just clearly that type of, I mean, the handwriting was on the wall, this isn't gonna last forever. Felt, uh, you know, and then I thought, well, I don't know what to do. I don't know if I'm going to be an architect. I got my real estate license and just thought, well, let me give this a try. Sat down with a realtor who we as a family friend and, you know, I kind of told him my story where I was at. And then he's like, okay, Rhett, Yeah, you can, you can do this, but um, get licensed first. And then if you want to be a realtor, you can come back and work for me. And I was like, shocked. I'm like, are you joking? I've known, you've known my family my whole life and you're not even letting me. You're you're not hiring me? And I I kind of feel like it was a godsend. Just like, you know, I tried to quit and I failed. So again, kind of a low point. If you ever fail at quitting, it's not exactly an ego boost. Mm -hmm. An opportunity then opened the door for me to work for this large engineering architecture firm. And I just I had a completely different attitude than when I graduated from college. Just yes, sir. Whatever it takes, wake up early, stay you know stay late. And actually, this firm had a culture of just forty hours a week, which which I appreciated. Um, I was kind of pigeonholed in apartment uh, projects, which you know some of my peers who I had graduated with were designing wellness centers for universities and cool uh, you know company headquarters, and I was basically the drafter for apartments. Um, But uh, the architect I was working underneath was an expert in the codes. I could learn. I learned the codes through him. I learned his process, and it allows me to create a niche, which then was the opportunity to start my own firm in just basically having a niche doing apartment buildings. Yeah, that's the that's the the detailed
0: story of of how this came about. That was that was. I did not expect us to go in this direction, but I really appreciate it. So now I have have two other questions regarding this. How does God play into this? Yeah. Because I I I know I, from reading your bio and I I follow you on you know Facebook and I've I've seen I I know you're a believer and and so am I and I'm always interested in to see like where does God play into this because you hit some very low points
1: yeah and
0: there's this inflection point if you're if you're like me then you you're probably looking for providence all the time to, to kind of reinforce the proof yeah. and then so where does God play into this second one is what would advice would you give to students that are kind of in your trajectory where I've seen those uh, those very Bright burning stars, and then mm-hmm. they burn out, and then maybe they never even come back. But you came back, and now you're you have your own yeah. practice.
1: Yeah, yeah. So where's God playing to it and everything? Um, so depending on the audience, I'll, I can share my faith or I can stay secular. But since you opened the door, um, I really don't see my work and my calling, my God given calling, as being inseparable. Um, some people are called to be pastors. Some people are called to be a uh, stay at home dad and homeschool. And I feel like a call to be an architect. And so I just thought that, well, I can't quit. Um, you know, I felt like God sheltered me. I tried quitting and and I just feel like that was my guardian angel, just preventing me from going the wrong path. And if I had to really credit my success, I mean, it's just from not quitting and God's faithfulness. Um, and, uh, um, you know, so I certainly felt that there were times when, okay, I'm doing the right thing. I'm well fed. (laughs) I got a full night of rest and I just need to stick with it. So, um, you know, that was maybe two, maybe some of the misunderstandings of, you know, when I graduated, I really had a kind of, I was growing my faith for the very first time, kind of decided to make it my own, had some, uh, experiences that I really felt God, uh, made himself real. Um, but didn't really understand that, no, there's character development that needs to happen. You know, I just thought, oh, wow, God's real. That means all I have to do is just say a prayer and snap my fingers and then the Red Sea parts. And you kind of forget that, no, there was probably 40 years of, of wandering that happened prior of character development, prior to all of a sudden this just snap your finger, you know, God moments. Um, so, interesting question. Yeah, thanks for opening that door. And uh, I could I could expound on that even more.
0: Yeah. Well thanks for sharing
1: that. It gets me it gets me excited.
0: I can see that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean so the the other I know I know it was a long sort of a long form two question but like what would you say to students then you yeah. know who are seeing this this is the thing that I notice when I for new employees is I try I try to get it pounded into their heads right away of like our our red lines are not personal. Our yeah. uh our attention to the detail and tweaking and critiquing you is not personal. You are going to feel like you're floating for about a year, but I want to reassure you that like you can ask as many questions as you need to. There are no, there are no dumb questions for that first year, please be open, but it still seems like they really get down on themselves and I can you know, so like what kind of encouragement yep. would you give to students coming into practice like yep, this? Yep,
1: so this is, this is really our intro when you get hired at Red Architecture. I really try to set expectations rooted in reality And your job description is being told what you did wrong the day before and fixing it. And then tomorrow you're gonna be told what you did wrong the day before and fixing it. And that's gonna continue for quite a while. And have the emotional aptitude to just recognize that your job description is making mistakes. And so we have permission to make as many mistakes as you want from here until the end of time. I honestly don't even get bothered by mistakes. The job description is being honest. And so in the interview, and I've even done this when teaching at NDSU, we do role play. I make every student say, I don't know. Let me write down the question and get back to you. And just forcing someone to say, I don't know. I mean, Mm -hmm. when I was trying to use the fax machine, I was too insecure to Mm -hmm. say, I don't know. And so we role play and say, I don't know. Let me, let me find out the answer. And that's the expectation. So you can make as many mistakes as you want, but you have to be honest. And we just own our mistakes and say, hey, I made a mistake and now let's fix it together. I also tell staff too. I say, hey, you can make as many mistakes. Your job description uh, is to do the best you can and be honest and I'll take the fall. So when there's a victory, I'll give you the credit. And when there's a mistake, it's my fault, not your fault. I never point the blame. I think if you're the firm owner, my job is to take the, take the blame for the team's mistakes, whether that's an engineer that doesn't even work for us. I don't go to an owner and be like, well, my engineer didn't do a good job. And no, I, my team made a mistake. I'm the source of the problem. Now yeah. I will be the source of the solution. Here, the, uh, I can't take back time, but we can, you know, we have option A, B, or C. Which one would you prefer?
0: So important. I, I, I stress that so much on, on the show multiple times. That how much better would society be is if more people were saying, I don't know confidently. No. Uh, it, you know, all the way up to the politicians. Boy, that would be really helpful if they just once for once said, I don't know, yeah. I'll look into that. Thanks for bringing it up. Instead of just bloviating and then making and then doubling down on, on all of the stuff. Um, I'm curious to know. So, you know, teaching an NDSU and all the volunteer work, you know, it, it, you don't go into teaching to make money. You go into teaching to give back. And then plus all the volunteer work, where does that passion come from? And what do you like, what is it for you to do to give that kind of time?
1: Um, it's more of if you have an opportunity to to do something good, then say yes, and and set your boundaries. So when i went like this project in calabar nigeria i kind of was like oh my goodness kind of overwhelming i said uh you know it was spearheaded by a real visionary who's not detailed you know who's like oh we're going to start a new university in a foreign country recognizing that he really doesn't quite understand all the details that go into designing a building and production but you know he's there to raise money to set the vision and kind of push the project along and so I said yes with, to this level. I said, hey, I can help you do a master plan that can then be used as a talking tool in your fundraising. And then you're passed. And I thought maybe it died. Then they call up, hey, how about a building? And I'm like, well, actually, we've got capacity. So we say yes. Um, and my policy is just, if we have the ability and capacity to do something, we say yes. And if we don't, we say yes, or, but here are terms, you know, it needs to have an elongated timeline or, um, you know, I don't just say yes to make them happy. I say yes, because yes, I can perform with excellence this task. And, you know, over time, all of a sudden you, resume kind of builds up with a lot of pro bono work and a lot of volunteering um, it wasn't all done in the same month uh and so um you know it's kind of fun, you know too it's there's a, a satisfaction comes in doing the right thing
0: yeah, it's very fulfilling a hundred percent yeah i mean there's there's that part of it too exactly. you can go to bed and sleep well, knowing when you give like that with it within the boundaries too I appreciate that um what would you, what advice would you give somebody who is Thinking about starting their own firm, you know, knowing what you kind of already talked about with all of your trajectory that kind of led you to starting your own firm. If there's any one piece of advice you could give prospective people, what would that be?
1: Well, know yourself, know your gifts, know your strengths, know your know your faults, um, and that includes just recognizing: Are you truly a man? You know, are you? I call it a three-legged stool. the The entrepreneur, the he's the designer. He's the you know. blank sheet of paper is inspiring. Um, Then there's the manager. They're the people that keep the wheels greased, keep the oil changed, keep the machine going. They're very good at organization. They're very good at systems. You also have the technician who's just very good at executing their craft. You need all three, and you might be good at two, but there's going to be one that Usually you have a strength, a, the strongest one, and then you have one that you can kind of cover for, and then probably the other is you're absolutely horrible. And you need then someone else to come alongside and, and cover for that um, critical component that you might be lacking. Um, and and so so know yourself would be one, I, I think probably the most important and go into it with some some, some sobriety.
0: Yeah. And humility. I mean, this seems yeah. like a constant theme and I, I, I attest, it seems like I, it feels like it's fair to attest a lot of your success to really having that humility. I mean, so just so everybody knows, one of the awards that Red was talk, talking about is basically he graduated at the top of the class, uh, right? You you won the Peter F. McKinsey award. Correct. Yep. Yeah. Which I did too. And when you, when you, like the competition is so stiff at NDSU for that award that you really feel like, You've accomplished something there. So to see that kind of an ego check, I, again, Red, I did not expect the, I, I appreciate the conversation actually went here in this direction for that.
1: Well, here's the thing. I'm not, a, I'm not void of ego and I, I, I think you need to have some confidence, but it's, it's gotta be kept in check. And, um, you know, when I first graduated, I had a big ego with insecurity which is a, the worst combination ever, mm-hmm. okay? Now I would like to say that I am very secure and can say, I don't know, and not have it, have it be a detriment, but then, you know, no ego, you gotta be humble. So, so confidence with humility is the polar opposite of, you know, arrogance with insecurity. Bingo. And if, if I could have gotten that right, I really feel like I could have avoided a lot of uh, <laughs> agony in my early years. In hindsight, you know, now enough time has passed where I really feel like maybe that was a benefit in the sense that if we have young guys working here, man, if they make a mistake, I am so sympathetic. <laughs> I'm like, look, you can make as many mistakes as you want. I really, it doesn't bother me. Um, we will fix it together. All I ask is for you to say, I don't know, or I made a mistake and I shelter them from it. You know, I just say, Hey, if you have to send a nasty gram or some hard email, that's my job. Mm-hmm. If you have to send an email to a client saying, Hey, we've got a, our timeline needs adjusting. That's my job. And then I let them do all their, they get all the victories You know, because at the end of the day, I'm still the the firm owner and, and it's kind of like the, the coach, I might not be throwing the winning touchdown pass, but I'm the coach of the quarterback who threw the winning touchdown pass. And for me, that's really satisfying. I really enjoy
0: that role. That is such leadership right there. We're coming up on the half hour and I've got two questions that I ask every guest at the end here. First one is knowing what you know now. And if you could go back in time when you first started your business, what is one piece of advice you give your former self?
1: I kind of just answered that.
0: I feel like you did too. <laughs> yeah.
1: um, I, so I, I don't know if there'd be anything to add. Um, a little more humility.
0: Yeah, that was good. And yep. Brett, this has been fantastic. I feel like I should have you on at least once a year. Um, because there's multiple questions I didn't even get to ask you. It just was a really nice, free-flowing conversation and and pulled stuff out of you that I was not expecting. Uh, If people want to learn more about what you do, where can people find and follow you and your work?
1: Um, Our website and Facebook. So if you want to see what I did maybe a year ago, then you can look at our website and maybe two years outdated. Um, I try to keep uh, um, Facebook... Up to date a little more frequently. Um, I could really learn from you in terms of marketing. I have marketed myself one hundred percent word of mouth, and um, am really behind the curve when it comes to uh, promoting online. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna check out a few more of your podcasts because I think that's an area where if you wanna if you wanna learn how to market, don't follow RET Architecture, follow F9 Production. But um, you do get a little feel and glimpse of of the type of projects that we're involved in you know uh, on facebook and our website
0: well thanks i'm flattered for that uh yeah i I, that is kind of how we landed where we landed was internet first and then sort of now we're kind of catching up to folks like yourself with word of mouth uh episode 277 last friday is perfect for that why why you should spend money on google adwords why you should build up that google business profile and all of that rat this has been fantastic thank you so much for your time today a lot of fun yeah, I hope to see you in person and uh do a dinner one of these days. Yeah, keep
1: doing great work, you and L. I I love following your work. It's uh it's inspiring.
0: Thanks, buddy. Okay, we'll see you.